everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. I'm Cassie, hosting solo for today. Nathan and Christian are wonderful human beings, but today's episode is more personal, and we thought that not having a crowd in the room could be helpful. So instead of them, I'm here with John, one of my co-missionaries on staff here, and a fantastic brother in Christ. John will be sharing his testimony with us in what we hope will be the first of several testimony episodes throughout this year under the title Made New, which comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I am really looking forward to these because I found that hearing others' testimonies has really encouraged me to put more faith in God. So I hope that's true for you as well. So welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks for being our guinea pig for the new format. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks for having me. I, I love being the guinea pig. So much fun. You're very good at it. So thank you. <laughs> so John, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do here on staff? Okay. Well, um, I am, this is my first year on staff. Mm-hmm. I recently moved here just like you did, Cassie, from Bellingham, Washington, uh, where I went to school. Um, and yeah, I moved here with my wife. I'm, I'm married. My wife, Maya, and I have been married for one year. She's um, the best. She is, she is so awesome. She, um, yeah, just takes care of me and makes sure I'm not just going crazy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, and, uh, I, on here on staff, I, I do a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. Like I do a small group. Um, I help preach sometimes I've done it once. I'm going to do it again. Woo-hoo. Who knows after that? But um, And then also one of my um, main focuses is the um, evangelism coordinator or outreach coordinator. And so I make sure um, we have uh, opportunities for uh, staff and students to go do outreach and, um, yeah, share their faith with people on campus. And I really love doing that. That's really so great. That's kind of what I do on staff. Sometimes I sit in the office and eat candy, but... <laughs> Other times I go on campus and actually do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What's your candy of choice, John? Um, so I don't see these very often anymore, but my favorite candy and also the best candy in the world is the Reese's Fast Break. What? Yes. What so is that? It is a Reese's, think of a Reese's peanut butter cup in okay. a bar form, but it has this creamy peanut buttery nougat inside. It's so good. If And I can't find them in stores anymore, so I don't know what happened, but you got to get one. Okay. So if you want to get on John's good side, you got to find those. Your own good side. It's good for you. <laughs> this has been very enlightening so far. This is great. Okay. Um, let's jump in to all of the other things. So John, like, I know you went to college and that was like a pretty big faith thing for you, but what was your spiritual background like before you got to college? Yeah. So I, I grew up um, in a family that believed um, they were Christians. So, um, my, my mom and dad were both devout Christians from the time I was, I was born really. And, and still today. Um, and they were, they were both pretty, um, influential in me, uh, believing in God. And, and to be honest, I don't remember a time where I didn't believe in God from the, from my earliest memory. I, I can remember God being someone who, um, was very, very real to me. And also, um, I, I thought was like, he was alive and active. And, um, I remember one time my parents were actually having a fight when I was like five years old and my dad's just off the cuff said something, um, like, well, screw this Christianity thing. And, um, 
I don't know what they were fighting about. I don't remember what was going on, but I just remember in my five, I was five years old at the time. I remember thinking, if we don't have God, like we can't, we can't live. We can't do anything. We need God in our life at five years old. And so, and funny thing, I used to try to read the Bible before I could read because I thought it was cool. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my, my, my spiritual, um, or like how as a, as a young kid. Um, but then when I got into middle school, I started making my faith, um, more, more serious, uh, just going to youth group. Um, sorry, I touched the table. Cassie told me not to touch the table. I did. I'm sorry. (laughs) I apologize. I won't do it again. Um, anyways, I went to, um, I, I went to youth group and my church actually was very small. And because it was small, I got to have a lot of um, opportunities to serve and in a, in unique ways. So at, in from middle school to high school, I was doing things like helping with parking lot ministry where I would greet people and attack them as they got out of their cars. <laughs> um, I got to help with the sound, um, do the slides in, in during services. And I also got to welcome people during the service, um, which was really cool and influential, um, on me. So, um, yeah, from, from the start, God had a plan for me and it was, yeah, he put me to work right away. (laughs) That's great. So it sounds like you grew up in the church and that was a really big part of you growing up. Yeah, it, it was, it was really helpful for me. Um, I, like I said, my, my church is really small. And so the pastor of my church took me under his wing um, and I got to, I was involved in a small group, um, with a lot of the leaders in the church, um, when I was probably, I think this was when I was 14. Um, and yeah, I got to learn what it's like to follow God, um, as a, a middle-aged man, because that was who was in the small group. It was me and my friend <laughs> who was 15 and then all these other middle-aged guys. Oh, and what man. was really cool about that is these are guys who are following God in their, as like forties and fifties. But they were t- telling us about all the mistakes that they made growing up, following after things that just did not satisfy them. And we really got to learn from their mistakes to, to hopefully not do that, but also follow God from a young age. So yeah. I hope I'm doing that. I feel like I'm doing that. <laughs> but yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah, like the intergenerational aspect is something you can't really get in really in Chi Alpha, but because of the local church, that was something that you had. So I think I've seen that in my own life where having um, people that I know in a local church has been really helpful because I can see what um, what their lives are like and what following Jesus looks like in their context and not just in the college context. Yeah, I think that's really important. Get some perspective in your life. woo Yeah. So growing up, John, what role do you think... I mean, you mentioned your family as a young kid was really helping you to, to start getting engaged with the Bible and with Christianity. Um, but maybe your parents, I don't know how seriously your parents took it. So what role do you think your family played as you were growing up in, in who you started to become before college? Yeah, um, a, a big role, honestly. So my, my parents both, like I said before, were, are Christians and they've been Christians for a long time. But um, they they had differing roles. I think my my dad, every morning, my dad would be reading his Bible and... Um, and it just really showed me just consistency and discipline. Like there was not a morning that I can think of growing up where if I woke up early enough, because my dad read his Bible early, that I wouldn't see my dad out there reading his word, 
taking notes, seriously being attentive to, to scripture. Um, and so that really gave me, honestly, I just want to be like my dad in that way. Um, and I thought it was cool. So I actually used to hide in my room and read my Bible in the morning for some reason. I don't know why I, I, I was like hiding and my, I didn't want my parents to see me reading my Bible, but I, I have, I, I just really grew, um, to love scripture, honestly, trying to model my dad. And then my mom, she is just like my rock. Like she's the strongest person, male or female that I know. And, um, I, I just saw her time and time again, going through, um, just struggles of life and things that, that happen in life. And she has been, um, somebody who never wavers in her faith. Mm -hmm. Never has she gone through something that she didn't say, God will bring me through or God will provide what we, we, we went through times of financial stress and times like, um, when my family was just not healthy, um, and, and, um, uh, fighting and stuff like that. And my mom never wavered in her faith. Um, and in fact, uh, a couple of days ago, I don't think I told you this before, but my mom actually broke her foot, Whoa. um, a couple of days ago. And I had been meaning to call her and this is just a, a story of how, how crazy her faith is. She broke her foot. They had to go to the ER. Um, and uh, in the ER, they said, well, you know, it looks like you might need to have surgery on your foot. So we're going to send you to an orthopedic surgeon to get it looked at and possibly have a surgery scheduled. Mm -hmm. Well, my mom told them to the doctor's face, she said, oh, it's okay. I don't need to do that because God will heal me. I believe in the power of prayer and God's going to heal my foot. Woo. Now, I just want to be completely <laughs> honest with you guys. My mom is still going to go to the doctor and get it checked out. She's not going to not go to the doctor, but just her faith is so strong that she's just like, God is going to heal me. I've seen him do it before. He's going to do it again. So that's where I'm putting all my chips. All um, right. That's, that's kind of how, and, and I really grew from, from her faith to put it in my, like my own life. I, I really said like, okay, this is how my mom did it. I'm going to do it just like her. So that's really cool. Yeah. And you have siblings, right? Would you say they learned the same things you did growing up? No. So I have a kind of a crazy family um, in that way. I'm, I'm the youngest of seven kids. Um, my mom had her first child at 20 years old, and the last one was me at 40 years old. Whoa. So there was a lot, of, a lot of kids in there. And um, uh, I only actually grew up with my the next youngest, so my brother Jordan, who's two and a half years older than me. And um, he... He did not have the same kind of faith that I did. Um, and and no, my I think my siblings all do not. They believe at different levels, but not. I wouldn't say that they um, believe as strongly or as devoutly as, as I do. I believe that they they believe that God is is um, is their savior. But um, after that, I'm not I'm not too certain. OK. So it was really you were getting these things from your parents pretty directly and you weren't really seeing your your siblings living that out necessarily. Not necessarily, no. Okay. So I know that at some point, right, like you were you were growing and you were learning more. And I think everyone kind of comes to this place where they have to start taking their faith in God more seriously in the ways that they're applying it and living. Um, and it sounds like you were pretty familiar with that growing up, but then... When did that really become real for you? And what were some of the challenges that you faced when you started taking your relationship with God more seriously? 
Yeah. I, I, I thought I was taking my relationship with God seriously in high school and in middle school when I was younger going to going to church. But to be honest, I didn't really face too many struggles, too many big things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I didn't, I, I don't think I had an opportunity to grow so much. Um, it was just kind of even keeled and I didn't, I didn't understand. I was just a, a young kid. And so in college, College was the first time that I can remember feeling totally free in a good way and a bad way. And so um, I, I I really just came to college and knew that I could go to class, I could follow God, I could do whatever I wanted or not. Nobody cared. Um, nobody was going to look over my, over my shoulder and make sure I was doing the right thing. And so because of that, I had to, I really struggled to find... Um, to, to do that, um, to, to like make my faith, um, serious because I had nobody pushing me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think I really, really struggled, especially my first year in college, um, to, to just make the right choices, to be honest. Yeah. What helped you make the right choices? Um, so at the time in in my freshman year, I was um, dating. Uh, I was in a relationship with a girl who um, was in a small group with Chi Alpha at the time, and she told me to go talk to the guys' small group leader, and nice. I didn't want to um, because I was afraid. I didn't know how to make friends uh, mm-hmm. when I came to college. Throughout growing up, I did sports, I did activities in school and in church, and there was always community built in, and so I didn't know how to make friends. And so in call, in, in my freshman year, when um, my girlfriend told me to go and meet this small group leader and, in a, in a sense, initiate a relationship, I was like, uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but even so, I, I still went and I did, and I got involved in a Chi Alpha small group my freshman year. Now, however... I struggled to go to that small group my fr- my freshman year and I struggled to make friends my freshman year. I didn't I still didn't know how and I still wasn't willing to go put myself out there and and um and talk to people really. So I I mainly just hung out with my girlfriend and my roommates my my freshman year and um because of that my faith and my grades really suffered and my mm. and my social life too. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's not a cure all, you know, getting involved at least at that level and starting to have those relationships doesn't automatically fix things. You actually have to take some initiative yourself. Right. You, yeah, you definitely, it's, it's on you. If you want to grow, you definitely got to make the choice. Yeah. But it sounds like ultimately those people did help you because that's what you said in response to that question. Yes, they did because (laughs) they got, I mean, they got me, they got me into the small group Mm -hmm. and got me around good people in my life. Okay. Sounds good. So during college, you met Maya, and she is wonderful. I love her a lot. Um, So you guys went on to get engaged, and you've been married for now about a year. So what are some of the ways that God has worked through your relationship with Maya over time? Since being married, I've learned that my wife, Maya, is not, um, she's not my mom. She's not God. She's not... um, She's not my savior. She she is not gonna do. She's not gonna fulfill me the way that God can. Um, when when we were engaged and dating, I thought 
I kept saying things like, man, I can't wait to get married so that I'll be really living or I'll finally have life figured out once I'm married. And um, to be honest, um, those are all lies and they don't happen. Um, As a married couple, we're both still figuring out life and we're just as much broke. We're broken just as much as we are when we were single. Now, I shouldn't have said that. We're, we're definitely growing, but um, a lot of people, a lot of my single friends think like, oh man, like you, you must be having like a great, great life. And don't get me wrong, marriage is great, but um, being married is not gonna solve all your problems. And, and I would say to your question about what is God teaching me, um, I would also say that I think God is teaching me to listen mm-hmm. through my marriage. Um, as a man, I don't listen well. <laughs> I, I just kind of do my own thing. Um, and, and I, I make choices and then, yeah, I just don't, don't listen very well, but being married to Maya, I've really learned how to listen to her when she is saying something to me, both verbally or non-verbally, maybe like on her face, she's sad or she's happy or, or whatever. Um, I have learned how to listen to her and not just think, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to choose the right thing. Um, so yeah, I, I've definitely had to learn how to, how to listen well to her, to her. And it's helped me in my relation, other relationships, how to listen to people, um, better. Yeah. Like you have all this extra practice at home. That's not, it's not practice cause it's real. Right. But you're, you're getting that opportunity to grow in it there and then apply it in ministry. It sounds like. I learned how to listen to people in so many ways that was beneficial for me and them. And in particular, my intern year, um, I had two people in my small group that they were going through some very real things in their life. One guy had a, uh, he had an eating disorder and another person struggled with um, same-sex attraction. And he, they, they were both people who I did one-on-one discipleship with. So I met with them each week and they're sharing with me these things that are, are very real for them in their life. And also uh, big things that I've never struck, I've never experienced in my personal uh, walk. Um, and so my tendency is just to hear people tell me things and then try to give them the answer. Oh, well, what you need to do is this, or, oh, I, I know what you need to do don't do this, do that. Um, but I couldn't say that to those people. And also I didn't want to, because I didn't want to steer them in the wrong direction and, and try to tell them that I was better than them or that I knew the right way. And so because I had learned how to listen well to Maya, um, because let's just be honest as a man, women, they are very different. And so um, learning how to listen to her helped me in these rela- relationships to just sit back and listen to say, well, what do you mean by that? How, why, why do you feel this way? And, um, man, it has benefited me so well, so, so well, what? So much. <laughs> Beautiful English, all of it. That's yes. great. Yes. Yeah. So you mentioned the internship. Um, so after college, you decided that you wanted to do a Chi Alpha internship uh, up at Western, still Western Washington University, um, and you got to try out full-time campus ministry. And I was also there, which was really cool. Yes, you um, were. <laughs> so that's actually how I started getting to know you, and that was great. Um, but you you majored in business. So why did you decide to do the internship in the first place, and what did God teach you during that year? 
Awesome. So first of all, I got to do the internship with you and I just want to give a shout out to Cassie for those people who are listening to this. She is awesome. When I was going through the internship, I'm going to get to your question, but first of all, <laughs> I I saw Cassie, like every time I looked at her calendar, it was just full. Her, her calendar was full of things going on. This this woman had 16 people in her small group. That's true. I had, I'm just like, we got to do a podcast how on how you just manage your time <laughs> during all of that. So I just think you're awesome. And I learned so much from, from Cassie. She would take notes like better than anybody that I know. And I, I recognize that because I was terrible at taking notes. So every time during our internship, I would look over to Cassie at a, a study or, or something and just see her taking notes and go, oh no, I should probably be taking notes right now. <laughs> so anyways, you asked hey, me thanks. a question though. Yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome. Um, so I did major in business, which I always tell people that I majored in business administration with a minor and having no idea what I'm gonna do <laughs> with the rest of my life. And um, for those people who are in the business major right now, um, you understand what I'm talking about. Management administration is um, a skill that any industry needs. And so because of that, it's really broad. You can go wherever you want. But at the same time, there's you, you can't there's no one specific thing. Like when people major in biology, it's there's a pretty clear tract or engineering. It's like, oh, you're going to go be an engineer. Not the same thing with hmm. business administration, um, unless you want to be like a CEO, which um, you can't just sign up. I'm going to be a CEO after this. This is my job now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. I guess you could make your own business, and good luck. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. There was nothing calling my name. I had a very broad array of interests and and jobs. I thought I wanted to do be a firefighter. Uh, police officer. I thought I wanted to run my own business. I thought I, I didn't know what, what to do. And I also had a desire um, through going through Chi Alpha, being um, discipled and, and learning how to disciple others, that I wanted to follow God no matter where I went. Mm-hmm. And so I have this, this these two things. One, I have no idea where I want to go, but I want to follow God wherever that place is. And my my mentor at the time uh, James Jr. was talking to me about this internship where I could go and spend a year discerning or figuring out where God wanted me to go. Um, and then after that, I could I could go join the business world or go go uh, be a firefighter. And, and so I really decided to do the internship um, to give God a year and, and ask and give him my life, basically say, hey, I want to serve you no matter where I go, no matter what I do. Here's my first year. Mm-hmm. Do with it what you will. And then I'm here. So I, I God decided after that year, he um, He called me to to keep com- keep going in, in campus ministry. So that's why, that's in short, why I'm here. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you gave him that space to start speaking to you about here's you know, here's what could be a good fit, you know, and he might have called you out into the marketplace, like some of the people in our intern class are now um, working in full time jobs and doing that kind of thing. But some of us are in ministry. So it it gives God that space to speak to us about uh, where might be a good fit for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad you did that. Because, you know, without that, you might not be here. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know what I would be doing. Yeah. So what are some things that you learned through the internship? 
Okay, I learned a lot during the internship. I think that um, you just kind of, it's like drinking through a fire hose. There's just so much, so much. So for those who don't know, the internship has a study portion where you learn about theology and different topics um, in the Bible and in today, but you also do practical work where you're, you're working with people, you're leading a small group, you're going on a mission trip, um, just do, doing outreach. And so you're learning so much in that year. And um, kind of what I said before, I learned to how to listen to people well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also learned that if God wants to use me, it doesn't matter what my qualifications are. It doesn't matter what I have going into it. All I have to be is obedient to God to open my mouth and he will fill me with words. And um, I actually had a really horrible year, my intern year. I, I went through um, a, a health scare. I went through some anxiety. Um, and uh, my wife Maya's mom passed away during that year. And so, and then we had the coronavirus to finish it all off. Yeah. Um, but at the very beginning of the year, um, my mentor, again, uh, James Jr., same guy, he, he gave me um, a, a verse in Psalm 127, that unless God builds a house, the laborers build in vain. Mm-hmm. And and so I just had this, this verse on my heart the whole year that it didn't matter what I was going through. If I'm obedient to God to say, God, I will go and do what you want me to do. I'm not, there were some days where I was doing ministry and I did not have it all together. I was struggling with anxiety. I was grieving, but I still went and God met me where I was at and also gave me strength to keep going. And so that's something I've learned and I think I'm going to carry with me for my whole life, honestly, is just even in hard times, God is the one who is providing. God's the one who is saving people. He's the one who is uh, getting me through things. And so um, if I just trust in him, he's going to build the house. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus was a carpenter, so this works out. He was. (laughs) I love what you said about how God asks for our obedience you know, not necessarily like, oh, you're going to have all the skills ahead of time. Like that's what's necessary. But actually what's necessary is you saying yes to whatever he's going to do through you. Yes. That's really cool. That is really cool. I think that's true in everything that God calls us to. I've heard a pastor say one time, if you waited till you were ready, you would never move. Mm. So, um, and I think I've, I've, I've found that to be true. Anything small or big that God has called me to, I have not been ready. <laughs> yeah. At the start. <laughs> yeah. No one is, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's really good. So now you finished the internship um, and you decided campus ministry is a good fit, um, or at least it was a good experience for you because you decided to stay. Um, and now you're here in Oregon. So what are some things that you're finding in your relationship with God now, um, now that you're on staff and in a new environment? Yeah, I, I think something that I had coming into this year was a lot, a big expectation of what would happen when I came down here. I thought that um, I would come down to Oregon State University, start preaching the gospel, and people, and revival would, would break out, and people would um, would just be falling on their knees, worshiping God, and, and that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> so uh, we have a, a bit of a smaller ministry here than I'm used to, and and I really f- have been honestly finding out that that I have expectations that are not found in Scripture of, of mm-hmm. just being successful. I don't think that God, um, success to God looks like success to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started here, um, I don't know if you remember this, Cassie, but 
Christian, uh, our director, said to us that we don't need people to be heroes here. They just need people to labor for God yeah. and be faithful and and committed to to um, discipling people, whether there's going to be 100 people or 10 people. And um, God has really been asking me, will you be faithful even if there's just one person? Mm-hmm. Will you be faithful if you reach out to 20 people today and none of them get back to you. Am I still God even when you're not doing what you think you would do? I think I I have there've been days where I've texted 10 people inviting them to get coffee with me and nobody responds or they do 4 hours later and I'm like I don't have I can't do it now. And yeah. so I think God has just been honestly showing me what he showed me last year too that He's the one behind the scenes working, and I just have to be faithful mm-hmm. to work, to put in the work, and he will bring the results. I can't, I'm not responsible for the results. Ultimately, I'm just obedient to him. And so I think that's really what God has been teaching me. That's a, a big theme that's been th- showing up in my life right now. Yeah, I think what comes to mind when you think, or when you say that, um, is like, what's what's glorious is not necessarily what's glamorous. Right. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just making this up, you guys. Um, So it's not necessarily like the things that are going to please God and honor God the most may not bring a lot of attention to you or may not look like success in the way that the world or our culture ultimately defines it. Right. Um, Totally. But God's asking for our faithfulness and obedience. Um, I think something that's always really challenged me is the question of, you know, if you came to a worship service and it's like fall retreat or something, everyone's gone and it's just you. If you mm-hmm. showed up for for the fellowship service and it's just you, would you stay? Right? Like, would you mm-hmm. keep that space that's been carved out for worship and to, to praise the Lord? And would you do that? Or would you go home and, you know, watch Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Right? Like that always really challenges me because I'm like, if it was just me, would I do that? And I don't know if I would say yes every time, um, but I hope I would, or I really? hope I grow into someone who would, who would do that and not just like take advantage of the extra free time. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I think, I mean, if we think about Jesus, if Jesus definitely encountered so much adversity in his life and there were times when people were just not getting it, just mm-hmm. people were, just, he would say something that was totally true and they would, they would just be like, you're not God, you're not the son of God. Then they wanted to kill him. And what if Jesus back 2000 years ago was like, all right, they're not listening. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I messed up. Never mind. It's not, I'm not successful right now. Like we wouldn't be here. That'd right. be so crazy. And so, um, yeah, it's just, you can't, you're not responsible for the results. Yeah. It's what, what did you say? It's not, uh, what's glorious is not necessarily what's glamorous. If you're listening to this, you should write that down. That is, <laughs> that is man, you're spitting fire right now, Cassie. <laughs> It's all inspired by what you're saying, John. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I think if Jesus only showed up on the days that were like good or he was like ready to follow God, uh, we his ministry would have looked really different, right? Like yeah. he had a rough time, but he still showed up and he still did what was asked of him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He did. Thank Thanks, you, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Whoa, jinx. Jinx. We're twins, you guys. That's the that's the secret end to the podcast. Whoa. Okay. One more question, John. Okay. So if you were talking to someone and you only had a few sentences to communicate your testimony or what God's done in your life, what would you say? Wow. That is a, that is a big question. Um, I would say to somebody, 
that I was broken and God picked me up and he he fixed me and he's still fixing me. I am still a broken person. Um, but God is showing me that he is greater than my brokenness and that when I turn to him, um, when I confess my sin, when I shed light on my wounds and get in relationship with him, with other Christians, other life-giving relationships, um, then I can truly live and I can truly be human. And so I think, man, I feel like I'm using a little bit more than a few sentences, but, <laughs> but just to be honest, man, we think that we are hot stuff sometimes and we're not, we are nothing without God. And, um, and he with, but with God, we can do mighty things. It says, um, in, in Romans that the same spirit that lived in Jesus, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and mm-hmm. you and all who call on his name. And so what I'm realizing is that though I am nothing left to my own devices, I will turn my back on God and honestly try to be my own God with him, with his spirit inside me. I can go on campus even in a pandemic and I can preach the gospel to people. I can I can reach out to non-Christians and I can do things um, my, in, with might, not my, by my own might, but by his might, I can do great things in the name of Jesus. Um, and, and honestly, um, all that is just because God lives inside of me. So I think that's what I would say to somebody is, Hey, if you think you're hot stuff, like I used to think I was hot stuff, turn your life to God and he will, he will humble you. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer, John. All right. (laughs) You're giving me the look that's like, no, that was good. That was really good. I just wanted to, I, I said, he will humble you. Um, I don't want to say that like God's going to knock you down. He's not going to smite you. He's not going to smite you. No, what, Probably. I, what I meant is that every time in my life when I have been proud or I have been arrogant and thought that I could go through something and I would be better than other people, God has shown me that actually what I thought were my strengths were only my strengths in, in in an environment where I thought where I was not being used to my full potential. Mm. And when I every time I've been tested, God has shown me that you know what, if you're going to get through this, you need me. Um, and and once I've done that, once I've just been like, okay, God, I can't do this without you. Help me. It's it's always He's always shown up. So um, yeah, that's my encouragement to you is just let God in. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's a theme that you've you've said through a lot of these questions, right? Like, ultimately, it's God you need. It's not Maya. It's not your core. It's not even your mentors. You know, you need God at the center of all of those things. Right. Um, or you're not going to be able to get through it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You hit it right on the head. Wow. Ooh. Well, You're I don't awesome, want to like Cassie. punch you in the head. That was that was my first whoa, thought. Whoa, is whoa. like, oh, I hit it on the head. I should punch John. No, please, I'm sorry. please, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> John, thank you so much for sharing with us today. That was so good. If you're out there listening, we hope it was encouraging for you to hear how God has worked in John's life. Feel free to email us with comments, questions, or topic suggestions at social at OregonStateXA.com or reach out to one of us in person. We would love to chat with you. Yep. Have a great week. And remember, you won't regret being obedient to God before you feel ready. Mm-hmm.